Dreamsofamedia.com presents... When will I learn? The answer to life's problems aren't at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> They're on Noiseland Arcade. With Craig WK. He's just a little shy because I've tried to kill him so many times. And Sean, the arcade phantom. An underachiever. And yet he seems to be... How should I put this? Proud of it? They're violent and they distract you from your schoolwork. Well, time to hit the books. Dean Todd and Will Common to Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ishaisa Craig WK. And uh, with me is my buddy, Sean the Arcade Phantom, that I don't know how to translate into German. Guten Abend, Craig. <laughs> it's, it's evening, right? <laughs> uh, depends on when people are listening. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> German's confusing, and we didn't give a crap about that when we were in school. So. I mean, we had two years of it. It's kind of sad that all I know how to say is, hello, my name is Craig. Where is the bathroom? I would like some orange juice. Um, you're forgetting the most important German saying of all time. The fish is on the table. My fish is on the table. <laughs> My fish is off dem tisch. <laughs> so today we are, of course, talking about Burns Verkaufen der Kraftwerk. Uh, Sean, when did this episode first air? So before we get to when it first aired, oh, let's yeah? talk about the title of this episode for a second. Sure. We don't do that very often. So the title is supposed to translate to Burns Sells the Power Plant. Okay. However, the correct translation would be Burns Verkauf das Kraftwerk. That's funny because we, not only in this episode do we hear Burns speaking German and like the other characters speaking German, uh, which I guess I didn't do enough research to know if it's like super official, great German, but like it sounds pretty legit. And normally the Simpsons is pretty good about, you know, making sure that the the proper like languages and stuff are, are being used. So... Kind of interesting that they messed up the title. But then again, the the audience doesn't technically know the title. Like we do nowadays, but like they never posted the title name back in the day, did they? No, you just see it in the um, end credits as like the Simpsons episode M135F. Which sounds like the like code name for a, uh, like a mobile suit or something in Gundam. Oh man, that'd be a sweet mobile suit, the M135F. <laughs> Man, that's sweet. <laughs> I mean, we can already tell it's a flight type because yeah, we, of the F. We already yeah. know it can fly, which is great. It's already a great mobile suit. Okay, I just wanted to get that out about the episode title for everybody. <laughs> so, Sean, this episode aired what? December 5th? December 5th, 1991. 1991. So, in uh, this episode, the stock in the power plant rises, prompting German businessmen to offer Mr. Burns $100 million for the Springfield nuclear power plant. Zany antics ensue. <laughs> <laughs> so let's set the scene for where we are in 1991. Yeah, so Sean, what was happening on, on around December 5th in 1991? So on December 11th, which actually is the day my brother was born, so shout out to my brother on here. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. A uh, hook was released in theaters. Wait, was your brother Peter born? Pan? Yes, he was Peter Pan. <laughs> <laughs> your brother is Peter Pan? That's amazing. Was he born in 91? Yeah, 91. Wow, yeah, I suppose he would be. That seems so late, but it's not. It was a long time ago. <laughs> it's so long ago. It's almost 30 years. I wish my knees didn't hurt so bad. Uh, but yeah, Hook was released in theaters. 
That's, uh, uh, it's funny because, like, there's a part of me that looks at Hook and I'm like, this is not a good movie. But there's another part of me that's like, I kind of love this movie. Hook is kind <laughs> of like the perfect family movie. I mean, you got Dustin Hoffman as Hook. You got Robin Williams as an older Peter Pan. Yeah. I mean, it has a solid cast. A Rufio! <laughs> Rufio! <laughs> it had a sweet arcade game. It had a average platformer on Super Nintendo. I... Uh, wasn't that that platformer just a different game reskinned? It was uh, the the company did uh, what was it Sky Sky Battle Sky Battler or something like that something like that it's something like that yeah but uh, that game is actually a little bit better than Hook they ended up I think they did Hook first and then went on okay they game. used the same engine I yeah I'm pretty sure that's how it went I could be a little off it would be weird that the second version was the worst version, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, I could talk about Rufio for day in, day out, <laughs> but Craig, depress us. Tell us how the world was horrible back in 1991. Well, I have, I mean, this is a heavier topic, but it's uh, a little bit of good news. Hear oh. me out. <laughs> the final American Hostage was released just the day before this episode aired. Terry Anderson. Uh, he had been kidnapped in 1985. He spent six years in captivity. Uh, he even had a daughter who was born just like three months after he was kidnapped. Uh, this uh, hostage crisis, uh, known as the Lebanon hostage crisis, went from 1982 to 1992 uh, when the uh, uh, Lebanese civil war was like you know pretty much at its peak. Altogether, 104 people were kidnapped and many ended up dying, which is horrible. Uh, it's said that the extremists that were kidnapping people... Uh, it said that they were trying to use the hostages as leverage to dissuade the superpowers from getting involved. So basically, you know, these extremists and stuff that were a part of the Civil War would kidnap these hot, like uh, uh, journalists and stuff that were, you know, over there reporting. You know, it's their not only their job, but it's like trying to bring truth to the truth to the world and stuff. And unfortunately, it made them targets. And they spent a ton of time in captivity. So it's it's a very sad story. But at this point, the last American hostage was released. And by the next year, the remaining hostages were uh, released. And Tandy, uh, Terry Anderson's still alive and well. I just looked that up. Oh, nice. Oh, I'm glad. Shout out to Terry Anderson. I, uh, I'm glad to hear that you're doing all right, buddy. Uh, it's, I mean, you know, like one of the, uh, there's a hostage who, uh, because, uh, you know, I'm pulling my news out of the Detroit Free Press from back in 1991. Uh, there was a, a hostage. He wasn't the last release, but he was uh, from Michigan. And there was a big write-up on him because, you know, of course, that hometown story feel, you know, of course, Detroit Free Press went for that. But it was kind of uh, depressing because he, like, the guy, I guess, was, like, exercising and his captors didn't like that. And they ended up, like knocking his skull in pretty much and he ended up like getting seizures and the the free press was talking about how it seemed like he would have them for pretty much the rest of his life damn yeah but uh but i mean you know uh that's luckier than a whole lot of other people that were you know ended up dying due to mal you know malnutrition or or sickness or stuff like that you know so but uh yeah shout out to terry anderson and all the other uh hostages that got released you know on this day in uh, 1991, things would have been looking up for you. Uh, but, John, are you ready to talk about the episode? Yeah, let's get into this one. I like this one a lot. Yeah, this is honestly probably one of my favorite from the season. So, the episode starts off, and Mr. Burns is having his hair washed by Smithers. And uh, uh, Burns is lamenting. He's, he's, he's pretty upset, and you know he starts to even kind of choke 
choke back like some tears or whatever. You know, it starts to get a little teary eyed uh, as he's kind of just feeling melancholy and smithers uh uh gets immediately upset he's like oh my god he's like the bottle said no more tears and bird says something to the effect of like you know like uh, uh a promise that can't be kept by a bottle of shampoo or beyond the power of uh, uh shampoo i love that line johnson and johnson can go to hell <laughs> it still causes tears if it gets in your eyes i uh it, i i gotta say uh uh Shampoo in your eyes is a really, really painful feeling. It doesn't happen to me very often. It's it's only I think happened that I can remember in more recent years. You know, not when I was like a kid or whatever. Once, and uh, it was when I was singing a song and I was in a good mood, and the song called for me to clap my hands, and I had shampoo in them, and I did like an idiot, and then shampoo just exploded in my eyes, and I was like, oh, God, no. I have longer hair, so it happens to me all the damn time. Oh, that's unfortunate. I usually try to keep my hair, it grows pretty fast, but it, it I usually try to keep it a little shorter. Uh, but Smithers grabs out Mr. Burns' friend. Snappy the alligator. <laughs> yeah. He's so adorable. I love him. And he like so Smithers like uses his little puppet and he's like, Tell me what's wrong, sir, you know, and stuff. And he's like, Oh, Snappy. And uh he basically talks about how, you know, when he was younger, he he wanted to like, you know, hit Grand Slam home runs, wipe out nations with a stroke of a pen, and Snappy well, Smithers through Snappy uncovers that Mr. Burns is feeling pretty resentful to the power plant that it, you know, takes up so much of his time. And so Mr. Burns says, he's like, yeah, maybe I'll sell the plant. And Smithers is a little upset about this. Rightfully so. I mean, he's going to lose his lover slash boss. I mean, yeah, it would. It would fantasy lover, I guess. Yeah, basically, yeah. Quisotic. <laughs> <laughs> so... So uh, you have Smithers, who's who's you know kind of upset right now, and we see Homer is uh, how he's nearby a place where Mister Burns would have his hair washed. I have no idea, but he's trying to put a dollar bill into a candy machine. So obviously Burns was getting his hair washed in the employee restroom that we saw back when um, Homer became an executive. With oh Carl. yeah, and that's not near his office. That's yeah. that's further away. So yeah, it must have been that. Magnificent. God, I love Carl. <laughs> so, I, uh, you know, I, uh, I, uh, Homer, as he's like trying to get this dollar into the machine, he starts sobbing. He's like, it's not fair. <laughs> and Smithers walks up. He's like, oh, I know how upsetting it must be, you know, that like, you know, Mr., like, you're, you're afraid that Mr. Burns is going to sell the plant. And Homer's just like, uh huh. And he's like, not even paying attention to Smithers. And uh, and Smithers says, you know, that, you know, he's like, oh, Mr. Burns wouldn't sell the plan. I, I don't think for less than 100 million. And Homer's like, oh, that's a lot of money. And Homer grabs out his beat up dollar. And he's like, you know, Mr. Smithers, can you give me change for a dollar? And Smithers <laughs> grabs out a handful of change, puts it in Homer's hand. And he's like, good. Try to get something to eat. And Homer gets a free candy bar. I love that. And Homer's <laughs> just sitting there eating a nice candy bar. Yep. And so he gets a phone call while he's at work. From his stockbroker, who is a character I wish came back because I love this character so much. <laughs> I'm re renewing my notary license on a weekly basis because I'm dying. Uh, yeah, and so, you know, the guy calls. He's like, Homer, it's your stockbroker. And Homer's like, I own stock. And for waiving constitutional rights at work, the, the uh, all the workers were given some stock. 
And so they make small talk because the guy says, he's like, oh, hold on. Let's, let's make some small talk. How are the kids? Or, or how's everybody? He's like, okay. He's like, you go dancing? Not anymore. He's like, good, good. You know, and so they just make this like crappy small talk. We should get together sometime. Yeah, that sounds great. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, I. Uh, Homer is told that the the stock is rising higher than it has been. Uh, and so, you know, the guy recommends he sells it. And Homer's like, well, what would I get? And he's like, well, let me tell, put it to you this way. If you sell now, you'll have $25. And Homer's like, yeah, sell. And so he starts imagining all the cool things he can do with $25, like getting a haircut or his car washed or a hammer. Ooh, hammer. Mmm, hammer. So Homer has... Um a hundred shares in the stock, by the way, because it's twenty five cents a share. He says, and he gets oh, twenty five sure. dollars yeah. for that it. So hundred shares. That makes sense. Which we'll later see the stock rises to fifty two dollars a piece, <laughs> and then that's why it's worth fifty two hundred. Yes, in fact, that uh, scene comes up right now. Scott, uh, oh, what is it? Scott Christensen. Yep. Scott Christensen is uh, talking about the uh, big, you know, boom in the stock at the power plant. Which, yeah, that's a pretty big jump, but like, I mean. The, the Marge is talking like this is going to be revolutionary to him, but like it's five thousand two hundred dollars. Like that's, I mean, I'm not going to say that that's not a lot of money, especially in '91. But like, and yeah, that could be a nice windfall. But like, I don't know that that's like okay, kids, we're going to like live the good life now, money. So she points out that they've never had a savings account before, which is one of the saddest things I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not great. So. $5,200 is a lot of money for that scenario because they're living paycheck to paycheck. That's they're true. They're barely scraping by. This can give them a little bit of luxury, not the things Bart fantasizes <laughs> I was going to say, about. yeah, because Bart uh, fantasizes about getting a monster truck, a cement truck filled with milkshake. Uh, what kind of milkshake? Chocolate frosty milkshake? Frosty, f- chocolate frosty milkshakes. Yeah, chocolate frosty milkshakes. Tracy Ullman reference for those who don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a jetpack. What a jetpack. We still to this day don't have a working jetpack, let alone in 1991. I want a jetpack. Only if you're good. Strap a drone on my back and we'll just call it a jetpack. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Sean's slowly getting away. So while uh, you know, Marge is pretty excited about uh, you know, what's to come, Homer takes his twenty-five bucks. How he was able to cash it in, like, right then and there. I don't know stocks that well, but I can't imagine it's just, like... It typically takes a couple days. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, recently pulled some money out of my stocks, and it really? takes a couple days, yeah. I hmm. uh, Yeah, so Homer somehow, though, has this 25 bucks, and uh, he goes into Moe's, and he gets a Henry K. Duff's Private Reserve. I love Henry K. Duff's private reserve. The fancy picture on the bottle. The fact that uh, Mo tells him that once it's open, he there's no refunds. It's a $25 bottle of beer. It's got to be good. Is Mo just jacking up the price, though? Because, like, I don't think I have ever known a single bottle to be $25 of a beer. And, like, there's some fancy beers that get released. Like, uh, what is that? Uh, uh, what is it? Dogfish Head? Like... 180 IPA or whatever, it's like 20 bucks a four pack. So you can get single beers that are about $25. Um, Believe it or not, there's a really expensive uh, bottle of Pabst Blue Ribbon. I don't, but go on. It's like (laughs) averages for, I think, $100 a bottle. What? Yeah. Is it any good? 
I don't know. I'm not spending that kind of money. <laughs> yeah, I'm certainly not a absolute river, that's for sure. Uh, I'm spending that kind of money. It's going to be on whiskey. I'm not going to simply get a beer. No, nah, that's fair. I. Uh, and so, you know, while Homer's excited and he's, you know, hyping up the fact that he's just going to retire and play the stock markets or whatever, and he's like really full of himself, uh, he sees a couple of guys at the bar and he's like, you know, drink up, boys. And the the two guys are like, oh, uh, thank you. Yes. But uh, we feel like your beer is like uh, a swill. Yes. We're saying only a, a swine would drink this, but thank you. And Homer's like, say, you're not from around here, are you? And uh, he finds out that these two guys are Germans. And uh, uh, one of them had a, a big factory in the east. Another had a big factory in the west. Now they have a very big factory together. So that's a pretty dated reference for those of our younger listeners. Hell yeah. <laughs> so... Germany uh, was once split because of World War II. So in 1989, uh, oh, I'm sorry, no, that was when it was fixed. So uh, after World War II, Berlin was split in East and West because Russia had control of a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, stuff because of, you know, German sur- total surrender in World War II. Total surrender or just we waltzed in and took the country because their leader blew his brains out? <laughs> anyway, a little bit of both. I mean, anyway, so no, I mean, we had the Nuremberg trials. We kidnapped a bunch of their heads and we put them on crime for war trials. So yeah, yeah so it was okay. total surrender. Yeah, there we go. So in 1989, uh, it was declared that East Germans could visit the West. I, uh, but yeah, the I, uh, uh, yeah, that was a, that is a super dated reference. Yeah, I was watching that, and I was thinking to myself, like, man, kids nowadays don't realize that Germany was split. They, heck, in 1991, kids might not have, you know? I own a small piece of the Berlin Wall, actually. Oh, do you? I do. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Was it, like, one of those, like, you know, cl- buy, like you know, sp- spend 20 bucks on, like, Time Life or whatever? Oh, I'm sure it was. It was a gift from somebody. Nice. That's kind of cool. I... Uh, also, uh, there's another kind of weird reference here. Uh, so, when the Germans are, like, you know, talking about wanting to buy the plant... Uh, Homer's like, well, I happen to have insider info that they wouldn't sell it for any less than a hundred million, and they go like, "Eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf, sechs. And he's like, "Oh, don't worry, we still have enough money to buy the Cleveland the Browns," and it's funny he says that. So the Cleveland Browns yeah. are a <laughs> are a football team, and in the mid '90s, that team went on hiatus. They vanished for a while. Do you know why? No. So the Cleveland Browns, uh, Art Modell bought them in 1963, and in 1995, he moved the team to Baltimore. So what happened was, is the city of Cleveland uh, went to court. They ended up making an agreement where they could keep the Cleveland Browns name, but they had no team. This this Art Modell guy stole their team, put it in Baltimore because he thought he would make more money there. Made the uh, Baltimore Ravens, uh, which is why that football team appeared in 19, oh, as late as 1996, and then uh, the Cleveland Browns didn't show back up until like uh, uh, I think 99, even like a few years after. Uh, and so yeah, the uh, the the Baltimore Ravens at that time were the Cleveland Browns players. So if the Germans had bought the team, they could have prevented this. Damn. Come on, Germans. I blame I blame Mr. Burns. Well, he did screw them in the ending. Not for a spoiler, but <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, 
you know, so we get back to home and uh, Patty and Selma are over and, uh, uh, you know, Marge is yeah hyping up this like savings account and how, you know, everything's going to be all right. And Patty and Selma are like, he's probably spending the money on <laughs> beer as we speak. Magic beans. Yeah, magic beans. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, that's what it is. Because then when Homer comes in and Marge is like, did you hear the news? He's like, yep, but I already spent it. And she's like, you spent $5,200? He's like, what are you talking about? And I think it's... Yeah, she, you already spent it. On what? On beer. <laughs> surprise, <laughs> surprise. You spent $5,200 on beer? <laughs> and then Homer sees what happened and he freaks out. And he's got to have a pretty crummy like, uh, stock market broker, right? Yeah. Because, like, what is $25? Like, I get that it would have been worth way less than that beforehand, but, like, I feel like if you're, like, controlling someone's stocks, nobody's going to be like, hey, I really wish I had $25 right now. It's going to be like, let's see how this pans out. So, weird fact about this. Burns Company is actually called Burns World Incorporated. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, the stock is Burns World Incorporated. Uh Uh-huh. So, that would be Burns over, like, arching company. So any Burns processes would go through Burns worldwide. Interesting. So anything else he owns that's not the power plant would be Burns worldwide. Like the... Uh, chemical uh, warfare. <laughs> his chemical war- chemical weapons plant. His, uh, let's see, his railroad, his uh, waterworks. It's a crummy monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> so I... Uh, you know, Bart like kicks Homer in the butt, and like Homer is just taking it. He he is like just really despondent that he is like you know messed this up for his family. And when he gets to work the next day, everybody pulls in with all these fancy cars, and it got me thinking: what was the average price of a car in '91? Because I thought, well, maybe that was enough to buy a car. I, uh, but no, the average price of a car in 1991 was about fifteen thousand dollars of so, '91's money. So I want to point this out. Everybody who pulls in has a better job than Homer. That's true. They probably own more shares in the company. That could very well be. I You would almost think it'd all be even. Like, you know, it's just like, hey, here's every employee gets some stock. But it might have been a, like a sonority thing or. It might have been you were offered this for this and this for this and mm-hmm. this for this. And they're making probably more money in general anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, that could be. I uh, I love Charlie's old timey car that he <laughs> He's pulls got a in. Scarf on. Yeah, the goggles and stuff. It's <laughs> great. Uh, and Lenny gets plastic surgery. Yeah, it started with him, you know, getting work done on his eyes. But next thing he knew, it just kept going up and up and up. <laughs> And then one of the guys has a limo with a TV, and he's like, hey, guys, check this out. And we see Burns is having a meeting with Germans. And, you know, everyone's freaking out. And, they, like, you know, Kent Brockman is like, you know, Mr. Burns, like, you know, you're you're going to sell the plant to the Germans? And uh, Burns yells. He says, you'll see Lederhosen on the Statue of Liberty before I sell the, the power plant to uh, Germans. And they're like, but why are you meeting with them? And he says, so I can look Uncle Fritz square in the monocle and say nine. Which is a pretty, pretty great line. Uh, and so they go to the Hungry Hun. Uh, and Burns speaks, sounds like pretty fluent in German. Yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't double check it or anything. But I, I, I appreciate the subtitles at the bottom. And then he calls uh, Smithers a lickspittle. He does say mine lickspittle. Is lickspittle just the German word for lickspittle? 
I don't think it translates. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but you would think that there'd be something because those Germans got a word for everything. Uh, and so, you know, they, they slide him a note that says $100 million, what they want to buy it for. And Burns freaks out, celebrates, which is, I think, about the only time we've ever seen him that happy in the series. And then he sits down and he goes, I begrudgingly accept. I love Burns freaking out and just going, woohoo! That's <laughs> great. It, because we don't ever see that hardly. You know, Mr. Burns is always just so miserable, you know? And so it's interesting to see him there, like, kind of happy. Yeah. You know? And so at the power plant, uh, there's a sign that says, Willkommen. Uh, and uh, Burns comes up and he's, you know, signing over the plan or whatever. And he's like, Hans and Fritz, why, that's just John and Frank uh, trying to uh, equate the Germans to being as American as apple pie, which is funny because apples are from Kazakhstan. They're not even from America. But anyway, uh, we also have a, another uh, political reference as, reference as uh, the mayor comes on. Ich bin ein Springfielder, which is, uh, that was a JFK thing, right? Correct. That's JFK line. It, was it uh, uh, Ich bin ein Berliner? And Berliner is like a donut in uh, 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 over in Germany? Yes. I believe that's what it was. Yeah, I believe it translates roughly to I'm a jelly donut. <laughs> <laughs> when it should be I'm a Berlin. I am, yeah, I'm a, I am a whatever it would be, yeah. Berliner. <laughs> but not a Berliner. Uh, but a Berliner. Hmm. But I, uh, so we have. What is a citizen of Berlin called? I don't, I don't know. It's a good question. But otherwise, we have uh, kind of a foreboding scene here as the American flag gets replaced with a German one, which I almost thought was like illegal. I mean, I guess nobody's ever really going to like press charges on you, I don't think. But like, I've always heard that that was like a no go. The American flag has to be above everything else, or at least even to everything else. So that's just um, one of the flag statures. Those aren't technically laws. Oh, it's just sort of like how we expect people to use our yes. flag or whatever. Oh, okay, I gotcha. Yeah, as a uh, former Boy Scout, I can tell you, like, the... <laughs> is there something funny about being a former Boy Scout? Yes, <laughs> hence why I laughed. Go on. <laughs> so we learned all the um, proper etiquette for a flag. Yeah, and yeah. How you, how you would fold the flag, where it should be hanging. Those are te technically known as the flag code. They're not rules in per se. They're not laws. They're just how it should be. Okay. Thus why people have the freedom to burn a flag, because it is not a law that they can't burn a flag. It's just sort it's of like... Because it's the freedom of expression. So it's less a law and more a, hey guys, we'd like you to do this kind of thing. Yes. Okay. I. Also, the same thing applies to like when you lower the flag. The flag can only technically be lowered to half-mast when it, the government tells you to. Hmm. So, for example, if you work for a company, yeah, um, we're going to pick um, Quicken Loans, we'll use, sure, for sure. example, uh -huh. and their CEO dies. Okay, yeah, yeah. If their CEO dies, they can technically lower the flag if they want to, but that's not considered a flag code. Oh. Um, Nintendo famously did this when Satoru Iwata passed away. They had their flags at half-mast, and it was not flag code. Interesting. So that technically wasn't flag code, but it was just a sign of respect to yep. Satoru Iwata. Okay. Uh, interesting. Uh, so we have you know the German flag rising up, and everyone looks worried, and Marge is like, you know, like just like, look at all these scared people. 
Except for Lenny. He looks great. <laughs> and Lenny's got the plastic surgery, and he's just through this teeth. This is the worst day of my life. <laughs> he looks so happy. I love it. Oh, that gets me every time. I love it. Lenny saying it's the worst day of his life makes me laugh every time we get to it in this episode. <laughs> so... I uh, we we get into the 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 plant. It's like you know either later that day or or whatever, and everyone's in this meeting. Why was Marge at the plant when that happened? Uh, it seems like it was all plant workers. I mean, Mayor Quinby was there, but I mean, it was uh, a, a public event. So I mean, even if only the the workers there showed, I guess Marge just went with him. So I would argue that because uh-huh. we'll see in the very next episode. But the plant does not allow visitors. Oh, yeah. But they also have very lax security. True. (laughs) So so maybe it was just the fact that, like, Marge was, he just brought her in. I mean, heck, Marge has just walked through the power plant before. Like, inside of it. So, I mean, clearly they're just, they don't care. So maybe it was a private event, but just Marge showed up. She just crashes at every private event at the plant. Maybe she's that spouse, and we just don't know it. Like, Marge is the one who, like, shows up, and, like, everyone's like... Were we allowed to bring spouses? Like, no, we didn't say anything about bringing spouses, but there she is. And you never want your spouse to find out because it's like, oh, yeah, Homer brought his spouse again. <laughs> uh, and so so in the plant, uh, we have everyone talking in this meeting. Uh, well, not everyone, but a, a group of the workers, uh, Lenny, Carl, Homer, a bunch of other people. I don't think Charlie was there, was he? I didn't see Charlie. I, I looked for him. Yeah, I didn't see Charlie. And, you know. They're like, yeah, they can't fire me. I do this. Well, they can't fire me. I do this, you know, because they're worried that they're going to get replaced by, you know, people from Germany or something. And Homer's like, they can't fire me. And Lenny and Carl both at the same time are like, why? And he's like, because he just doesn't have anything to say. And then one of my favorite characters of this episode, perhaps my favorite character of the episode comes out, Horst. He says, guten Morgen. And he says that he's... The most he's come on to do this meeting because he's the most non-threatening, perhaps because he reminds everyone of the uh, uh, famous Sergeant Sergeant Schultz from Hogan's Heroes, and everyone's like, "Hey, yeah, he does look like horse, or a horse does look like uh, Schultz." I, uh, if you don't know, Hogan's Heroes uh, had 168 episodes from 1965 to 1971. Uh, Schultz was played by John Banner. Uh, who, interestingly enough, uh, did not like his typecasting. He was frequently typecasted as a uh, a, a German Nazi soldier uh, for like World War II, uh, World War Two movies. And the reason he hated that so much is because he was, I think, Jewish. His family perished in a concentration camp. Like his like not immediate family, but like did like more distant relatives died in uh, concentration camps and stuff. And so he didn't really like that. Uh, so he kind of argued that Sergeant Schultz wasn't like really a true Nazi. He was just sort of like an everyman sort of stuck in this, you know, situation or whatever. Well, I mean, that is a lot of the Nazi party of Germany. Yes, the Nazis were horrible. They were sure, really yeah. terrible things. But a lot of people were just citizens of Germany who were kind of forced into it because it's mm-hmm. you join the concentration camp as well if you're not going to join our service. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's not great. And I mean, if somebody burst in the door right now and said, hey, Craig and Sean, you know, we're this horrible group, but you got to join us or we're going to send you off to die. We'd be like, sure, boss, whatever you say. <laughs> Sean, you're immediately like, man, this sucks that we've been forced into this. You turn around. I'm already in a black <laughs> suit with like skulls on my hat. Uh, Craig, did you already have that outfit? Uh, no. 
Nine? Nine? <laughs> Praise the leader? <laughs> so, I... Uh, well, uh, so Horst starts going through this stuff, and he asks if anyone there is uh, 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 an alcoholic. And a bunch of people start raising their hands, and one of them is like, I'm drunk right yeah, now. I'm drunk right now. And so Horst says that he's going to send them on a six-week drying out, or to a six-week drying out facility in Hawaii, and they'll return at full pay. Oh, maybe I'll marry Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> so I did some research into that line. <laughs> because that struck me as weird, because I was like... Elizabeth Taylor, at the time of this episode, she'd have been around 60, and she had married two months before this air, uh, this episode aired. Huh. Yeah. She had, she had a, quite a lot of marriages, uh, divorced and remarried quite a few times. Uh, this guy that she married, uh, I didn't copy his name down, it was the final guy she uh, married, though, uh, was the last one. And uh, yeah, I thought that was weird that the guy was like, oh, maybe I'll marry Elizabeth Taylor. And it was like... Buddy, she might be around twice your age. I mean, she's still attractive, but like, you know. Man, Homer just screwed up. He should have said he was an alcoholic. I mean, he is an alcoholic. <laughs> he we is. Know that. <laughs> Lucky drunks. Uh, and so, you know, Horse starts talking, and he's like looking around, and he's like, you know, we, we you know, need to have a few you know, choice words with your safety inspector. And Homer's like, yeah, sock it to him, Horse. <laughs> yeah, there's nuclear waste falling from the ceiling into a little pan that's on the ground. <laughs> And like Lenny or Carl, one of them is like, Homer, is that you? And he looks down at his like his like name badge and it's a safety inspector. It's like, no. I uh, and so uh meanwhile, uh we have Smithers is uh trying to learn sycophantic German. <laughs> okay, that is one of the few sight gags that makes me laugh every freaking time. You looking sharpened today, mine hair. <laughs> You looking sharpened today, mine hair. Yeah, the the sycophantic, uh, which is uh, basically like toadying, which is what Smithers does. I, uh, you know, is he's trying to learn German, and he kind of has a touching moment with Burns. Mister Burns uh, calls him on the intercom, and he goes in, and uh, Mister Burns gives him a picture that Smithers always liked, which was the one of him and El- uh, Burns and Elvis. And Smithers is like, I really, really like this picture. He was always so good to his mother. And uh, and Burns is like, I c- couldn't understand a word the man said, though. Mr. Burns is a hound dog. He starts like doing this like crappy Elvis impersonation. And they both laugh. Kind of have like one of those awkward, sad laughs where they know it's coming to an end. You know, and he says to Mr. Burns, he's like, you know, what do you do next? And he's like, you know, bocce, beekeeping boxing he's like the world is my oyster and he takes off puts a top hat on and walks out of the office yeah and he's gone that photo of burns and elvis Uh will later show up in um smithers apartment oh it it does on the wall every time we see smithers apartment he kept that photo that's great (laughs) that's really great so we have uh uh you know homer back at home and he goes to Lisa, and he's like, Lisa, he's like, what can you tell me about Germany? And she's like, well, it's a you know major like economic power in the world. And Homer's like, uh-huh, because we give them money? And Lisa starts laughing, and she's like, no, Dad, no. And he finds out that Germans are generalized as having a, a very strong work ethic. And Homer's like, oh. And so things don't look good for Homer. So I need to uh, admit to something here. Yeah. So in high school, 
Uh-huh. We both took German class together. Yes. And the very first test we were given uh-huh. in German class, do you yeah. remember what it was? It was like the first no. week. Oh. So our teacher, Frau, told us, write down what you know about Germany. That <laughs> was from this episode. It was this episode's quote, exactly. I wrote that they were first industrious, hardworking people. That's <laughs> a strong work ethic. That's amazing. And A for Sean. Craig wrote down Nazis. No, Craig. I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong, guys. Come on, this is totally It happened. So, so we have, uh, we have uh, uh, Homer at home, and he's you know woeing back and forth in in the his bedroom with Marge, and he's like, "Whoa, woe is me," and he's just really upset, and you know Marge is like, you know, you know, well, what, you know. One way or another, we'll make it through. And Homer says, what is it again? He's like, if I'm not a safety majigger, watch a majigger, then I'm nothing. And so Marge doesn't really have anything else to say. You know, she she's trying to appeal to, to get him to relax and he's not going to do it. So she tells him, well, why don't you do something kind of productive? So he goes downstairs and he grabs out a Battlestar Galactica puzzle and sits it down at the kitchen table. Now. For those who aren't aware, Battlestar Galactica, uh, Galactica is a sci-fi media franchise with multiple TV series, a prequel series, novels, comics, games. Uh, there's, yeah, there's a ton. It's, it's like a, uh, would you call it like a, uh, uh, like a space opera? It's a basically essentially a Star Wars ripoff. At least the original was. Oh, um, really? Yeah. So it, it came out in the late seventies oh. after Star Wars, oh. and it's very much a Star Wars ripoff TV show. Um, it's really good. Battlestar Galactica is really good. It has kind of a twist that I guess I can spoil here, is that it all takes place in the past, but they never let you know that, and they're the ones who basically came to Egypt. All of the people oh. have like Egyptian themed outfits throughout the thing, and this, that's their sci fi thing. And then you learn in the end of the series that they came to Egypt, they taught them how to build the pyramids. Oh, that's kind of that's kind of it, goofy. It's, it's kind like of kind of neat. It's yeah. a neat little 70s sci fi twist. Yeah, yeah, that is. But Battlestar Galactica actually really didn't hit its stride till the newer seasons in the um, 2000s. Oh, really? Yeah, it kind of came and went in the 70s, had a short-lived like popularity. It was kind of a cult thing. Yeah. So that puzzle would have been very cult at the time of this episode and not very famous. It, it does seem like they were, like, like in my head, I just imagine that puzzle as being, like, old and sitting around the house forever before Homer got to it or whatever. It's kind of like um, later we'll see comic book guy make a couple jokes about Doctor Who, and Doctor Who was more cult-based back in the day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Back then, I had no idea what Doctor Who was. No, but now... Oh, every nerd knows what Doctor oh, Who is. Oh, yeah, sure, everyone. It, like, whether you like it or not, you at least know who Doctor Who is. Uh, but, yeah, so Homer wakes up in the morning because, you know, Bart's like, Dad, don't you got to get to work? And he, like, a puzzle piece just, like, <laughs> oozes out of his mouth and stuff. It's so gross. Uh, and so Homer's at work, and he's really nervous. And uh, Horst comes in, and he's like... <laughs> He's like, he, he smacks the donut out of uh, Lenny's hand as it says, hey, you guys, stop being so unsafe. He's like, Smitty, safe enough. <laughs> and so Horst is like, Homer, can we talk? And Homer's like, no. And he's like, I have failed to communicate. And so he's like, what I mean is I would like to have a conversation with you at your leisure. And Homer's like, no. <laughs> and he's like, I have failed again. And he pulls out like a German to English dictionary. He's like, I, he, I said something like very, very formal. It's like, I I'd like to have a frank discussion, <laughs> a frank discussion about certain topics. And Homer screams and runs off. And so he 
we later see him in the the boss's office and this, he, this might be one of the most famous Simpsons jokes. It really is. So he says, he's like, you know, you've been safety inspector for years. He's like, what initiatives have you spearheaded? Homer's like, huh, all of them? I see. And he's like, you got plans for the future and stuff. And Homer's like, yeah, I sure do. Such as, and they're like trying to get something out of Homer. And like, I, I honestly, like you, you almost want to view them as the villains here, but they're trying so hard to give Homer the opportunity to like, like be an actual employee and not this guy who's just shouldn't be there. Cause that is basically what his position is. Is that he just shouldn't be there. I mean, he was the safe guy when he tried to kill himself. Mm. Oh, yuck. So. Homer has a delusion uh, when when the you know because Homer's like well I wish the you know machine wasn't so picky about taking dollar you know dollar bills or whatever he's like you know because a lot of the workers like candy and Horst is like we understand Homer after all we are from the land of chocolate and Homer has a fantasy where he runs around a chocolate town and goes to Fudge Town and can see half off chocolate in the window but it rains chocolate balls and he bites into that chocolate dog. So we don't give enough credit to Alf Claus and, and his background music for The oh, Simpsons. Oh, so good. But this might be his greatest composition that he has for The Simpsons. It is a really, really wonderful, magical tune. This and the tune that plays when Burns and Smithers are running the power plant together in Last Exit from Springfield <laughs> yes. are two that just make me happy every time I hear them. Yeah, they're great. And so Homer is is like... You know, like, la, 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 like, you know, humming along to this, like, chocolate song. And they're like, Mr. Simpson, Mr. Simpson. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, we were talking about chocolate. And they're like, that was 10 minutes ago. And so, you know, we have Homer back in the Sector 7G. And, you know, uh, I think it's Lenny is like, you know, like, sure, the Germans have made mistakes in the past, but that's why pencils have erasers. And it's like. Is that making light of the fact that... Oh, yeah, it's making light of World War II. It's totally making light of World War II. <laughs> and uh, so the horse gets on the, the PA system, and he's like, we regret to inform the following layoffs. Simpson, Homer, that is all. Which, that's not how that works. If you're laid off, security brings you into an office... They mail you your stuff later or have it grabbed for you, and then they escort you off the premises. Depends on the job. It depends on the job. I'm, I'm, I guess I don't. I, I guess that does make sense. If, if it's a little, like a little bit of a lighter place, sure. But like a nuclear power plant, there's oh, no yeah. way they would not be escorting Homer off the premises. As we pointed out, security sucks there. So <laughs> all right, yeah, that could be that could be the Burns case. Burns' real security is Crusher and Loblo. Let's be honest. <laughs> and they're Burns' security. Nobody else's. I, and so it cuts to the Simpsons' house, and we see that. They're having to kind of rough it. They grab out cat food, which the scene is really iconic to me because I had a cat growing up. And so the, in the can opener, it's like carrot cat food, 88% ash, 12% carrots. And when Bart puts the food in the cat's dish, it like, poof, like makes this like puff noise and like dust flies up. And the cat's just like. And so. Lisa's doing like Marge's hair. They're like squeezing like the little tiny soaps together to make one big piece of soap to save money. Bart's not paying for the comics he reads at the store or taking baths. 
Bart, you got to take baths. Uh, also, I love the uh, Homer's complaining that, like, you know, he was fired as a safety inspector as he has a fork in the toaster. And he's a like, stupid piece of junk. And he looks at the wall and he's like, uh, I don't see a problem here. And I counted 11 cords going into one outlet. That's amazing. <laughs> that is a fire hazard. Hell yeah, it is. But I'm sure the Simpsons won't have their house burned down at any point, right? Never. Never. And if it did, it wouldn't be from electrical fire. I argue that. <sighs> so, Mr. Burns is trying to live his best life. And so he is playing bocce ball in a park. And you have uh, Abraham Simpson, Jasper, and some other old dude who you occasionally see at the... The, the retirement uh, castle. Yeah, retire, uh, Springfield Retirement Castle. And they're trying to teach Burns how to play bocce ball. Now, have you ever played bocce? I have not. It is a ton of fun. I, I was always kind of under the impression, especially with episodes like this where I was like, okay, it's like an old person sport. Like, this is kind of lame. It is really a ton of fun. Basically, the whole premise is you throw this smaller ball out there and then th- the... Uh, you take turns going back and forth, two people, uh, or sometimes four people, but just two teams or whatever, throwing balls, and the most balls you have close to the little ball gets you points. And what's fun, though, is that you can, like, screw people over. So, like, if you see, like, they have, like, four balls next to this little one, you just bowling style it, smash them all up, and they all go flying and, like, you know, they don't get their points or whatever. Uh, and a special shout-out to uh, a buddy of mine. So... A uh, buddy of mine, Alex, uh, actually runs a company called American Bocce Company. Uh, he, uh, if you're interested in bocce ball, uh, make sure to jump onto uh, like Instagram and Twitter and follow American Bocce Co. Uh, so American Bocce and then Co. And then on Instagram, uh, we also have for the Detroit area, which we're uh, a part of, American underscore Bocce underscore Det uh, for the Detroit. Uh, account. So make sure to uh, check those out if you're interested in bocce ball. And if you ever see it at a bar and you think, eh, old person stuff. Maybe because I'm old, but you know what? Screw it. It's fun. I like crochet, but I'm going to get into that next episode. (laughs) Not crochet. What is it? Croquet. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Two very different things. things. I like croquet. I'm going to get into croquet next episode. So Uh, I like my old people sports. And so, yeah, Burns can't even throw the ball and all the old people start laughing at birds. He's like, get out of my park. I own this park. (laughs) They're like (laughs) worth it. And so, uh, it cuts back to, uh, the power plant and we see Mr. Burns's office. It's like filled with children and, uh, Smithers is calling Burns. And he says that his folk guitar lesson was canceled, but he's a little busy right now so they can get a drink later. And he says, uh, you know, would you like to get a drink? And Smithers is like, would I? And uh, uh, I love that it uh, cuts to him boxing. And he's like, I'm going to put you down. He's like, yes, sir, Mr. Burns. I love how big that guy is compared to Burns, too. He is like the size of like 20 Mr. Burns. The guy is enormous. Dude's like seven foot tall and just like ripped. It's like a little teeny tiny old man fighting Mike Tyson mid-90s. How (laughs) ripped this guy is. Pretty much. And so... Mike Tyson wouldn't have taken that shit. He would have beat the fuck out of Burns. (laughs) Yes, he would have. Although uh, Tyson isn't super tall. No, he's not. So he'd be the same body type, size, or whatever, but yeah, it'd be like somebody like twice as tall as Tyson. Uh, 
Meanwhile, we have uh, uh, the Germans are wandering around the plant and they're finding all these issues. And we have the wonderful line, Octoliba raccoons, as they pop open a panel and a family of raccoons are like gnawing on the wires. You know, I think this episode taught me more about German than German class because Gotten Himmel was taught to me by this. Gotten Himmel. <laughs> Octoliba. So. Uh, Smithers arrives uh, to where Mr. Burns is, and he is doing some beekeeping. And he introduces Smithers to Buzz Honey and the Queen Smithers. That's a hilarious joke that I didn't get as a kid. Uh-huh. I yeah. love that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty solid. Also, Smithers is getting stung by a bunch of bees. Now I looked into it. Okay. Because we, we know that in a later episode, 22 short films about Springfield, uh, Smithers says that he is highly allergic to bees. Apparently, uh, when it comes to bee stings, uh, and maybe it's because there's so many different, like, my, minute varieties of different types of bees or whatever, or different, like, you know, levels of the poison they inject or whatever. But uh, apparently you can be stung, not be allergic, be fine, and then get stung again, and you are allergic. So what must have happened, I would presume, that Smithers got stung, was okay, had the drink with, you know, Burns or whatever, and then was stung at a later date, and then had a horrible allergic reaction. That's all I can think. Okay. You know, so it, it, it's not completely out, you know, it's, it, we're, we've not, you know, destroyed the Simpsons continuity or anything here. This is, this can happen. I, uh, and, uh, so... Bart, though, meanwhile, is going to play a prank on Mo. You know, standard Simpson stuff. We've seen it a million times before. So he calls in a, a B.O. problem. And so everyone laughs and, you know. Uh, but I do love Mo's line there where he says that he'll use his head as a bucket and paint his house with his brains. <laughs> Which is a very wonderful uh, threat. Uh, it sounds like something like an artistic villain would say in something. It kind of does, doesn't it? It sounds a little bit more dark and eloquent than the yeah, normal the, the normal Mo. Mo threat. It sounds yeah. like something that like a vampire who is like very into <laughs> art, kind of like a <laughs> Castlevania portrait of Rune. They'd be like, oh yes, I'm going to use your skull as a bucket as I paint. My house with your brains. Uh, and so, you know, Bart hangs up and he's laughing or whatever. And Marge comes up to him and she's like, Bart, I need you to go down to Mo's tavern and bring back your father. Which... I luckily never had to do as a kid. I've never had to to do anything like this. You never had to go down to the tavern and get your dad from far? No. And no. not my mother either. No. Oh, um. have, did you ever have to do something like that, Sean? Like, you didn't live very close to any bars growing up, right? No, no, no. The only bar that's by me used to be very rednecky. So oh, my family right. There is one that's kind of close. And now it's kind of like a hipster bar for people our age, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Go figure. Because they kind of like like the retro feel to it. Go figure. But no, my, my family would actually go drink further away. Ah, I see. No they, getting they, no getting pops for you, that. No getting pops for me. They just stumble in drunk later on. Maybe this was more of like a like when the writers were kids type thing. Like, oh, go get your father back from the bar type thing. Like, you know, go walk down the road to get him. I don't know, you know. So All I know is if I ever have kids, they're going to get me from the bar and drive me home. <laughs> Junior, here's the said. keys. What do you expect me to drive? I'm drunk. Come on. Come on. Don't be irrational. I'm drunk here. You're going to have to be a good citizen, son. Uh, 
So this seems pretty traumatic, though, for a 10-year-old boy to have to do. And so uh, Bart goes into Moe's Tavern, and he, he taps on one of the, the beer fl- uh, Barfly's uh, shoulders. Uh, Earl? I never remember their names. It's the one in the red coat. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, you know, excuse me, do you know where, like, you know, my father Homer Simpson is or whatever? And Mo stops and he's like, I know that voice. And he looms over Bart and he's like, if it isn't Bart Simpson. And uh, and he starts talking about how Bart gets up to trouble and, like, you know, his little monkey shines and stuff and how he hears about all the stories from his dad. And we see Homer passed out at the bar. Totally wasted. (laughs) And so I love too that I uh, when when Mo asks for you know what what does his dad not know, and he's like, well, I uh, make some prank phone calls, and Mo's just like, ah, I love you, and it's great that Mo loves Bart so much, but clearly hates his guts. <laughs> hey, hey, Bart, can you sing that song that you used to sing for us? For you, Mo, anything, <laughs> and he starts singing the Teddy Bears Picnic song, which. Did you look up info on this? I used to read this book all the time as a kid. Really? Yes. Now, this was is what blew my mind, because I thought, okay, this has got to be like a 70s, 80s thing or something. The melody is from 1907, and the lyrics were written in 1932. Yep. That is insane to me. And I grew up with it. Adorable. Yeah. Uh, my mother let me know that I uh, uh, I couldn't become a true American hero if I sang the Teddy Bears picnic song, and she forced me to watch G.I. Joe. I think you're fantasizing. I think she just called you an accident three down the stairs. That's more likely. But I think in the basement, a TV happened to be on. It was playing G.I. Joe. Oh, okay. Childhood <laughs> trauma intact. And so Burns and Smithers, who are looking for a drink... Pull up and Smithers decide, or uh, I'm sorry, Burns decides to this go is slumming. My favorite Burns line. He says, Oh boy, a blue collar bar. Let's go slumming, Smithers. <laughs> and so he mentions that uh, uh, he can hear the from inside the mirthless laugh of the damned. And so he walks in and he brags to Smithers about how, you know, he's going to fit right in. And and he puts his arm over Homer's shoulder as Bart is like being paraded around for singing this teddy bear song. And uh, he's like, you know, he's like, you know, how about a a cheap uh, domestic beer for me and my buddy here? And Homer wakes up and immediately is furious, probably because he's been drinking and also the fact that he blames Burns for his his current problems. But he says, I'm not your buddy, you greedy old reptile. And I, I, and it's like Smithers is, or uh, Burns is like, Smithers, he's like, who is this, uh, like, you know, like, uh, I don't remember what he calls him. And. Uh, Smithers is like, that's Homer Simpson uh, from Sector uh, Zeeban Grubin. I mean, uh, <laughs> from 7G. And Homer starts taunting Burns. And he's like, does your money cheer you up when you're feeling blue? <laughs> it's, Burns is like, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, okay, bad example. Well, let me ask you this. Does your money ever hug you or say I love you? And Burns is like, no. And he's like, nobody loves you. Nobody loves you. You're old and you're ugly. Nobody loves you. And he starts harassing Burns. So I love that they put Bart in this scenario so he could also harass Burns. <laughs> so he goes up to him and he's like, did you get that letter I sent you? And Burns immediately is like, oh, letter. I don't think I received any letter. He's like, that's because I forgot to stamp it. And he smacks his 
foot on to Burns's, and uh, and Burns is like, I don't think that was an accident. Let's get out of here. And they start singing the uh, like, what is it like? Na 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 na. Hey hey hey. Goodbye. As Burns just runs with his tail between his leg outside, which that's an actual oldie song, but I can't place what it is. Do you? I don't remember off the top of my head. Hmm. But I, you know, I so. So, yeah, Burns basically realizes that what good is money if you don't have fear from it? Yeah, and so he decides he wants to get the power plant back, which um, apparently that song is titled Na Na Hey Hey Kiss Him Goodbye. Oh. Uh, from, uh, uh, oh, a band called Steam uh, from 1969. Hey, Steam, that's like 50 years old now. <laughs> no, no, it's... That's like 50 years okay, old. Okay, yeah, it's, it's 50, 50 years, old. years old. Cripes. Uh, so, so you have Mr. Burns deciding that he needs his power plant back. And so he goes to set up a meeting with the Germans. Uh, let's see. Uh, so the Germans at that time are... Talking and they say they're like Galton Abel. Who'd have thought a nuclear power, nuclear plant could be such a death trap? And so, burn or they they decide or I'm sorry they don't decide they do the math, and it's going to cost another hundred million to bring it up to code. And so Burns comes in and he's like, "Please sell me my power plant by back, please, 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 please." And Horst is like, "What a coincidence! You are uh, desperate to buy and we are desperate to sell." And Burns is like, desperate, advantage, Burns. And he offers them half of what he got, 50 million. And the Germans are like, "Uh, Mr. Burns, this is half of what we gave you. And Burns is like, take it or leave it. And the Germans then say that, uh, beware, Mr. Burns, we Germans aren't all smiles and sunshine. And Burns immediately is like, oh, no, the Germans. Oh, I'm scared of the Germans. And Smithers is like laughing. And they're like, stop, stop it, Mr. Burns. Stop, stop, stop pretending you're, you're the scared. Stop it. Stop it. I'm sad the Germans never came back as villains for Burns. That would have been great. Like, wouldn't they have been great villains to go against him? That would have been really, really good. Like, even if it was just dumb, hokey stuff, like they were, like, trying to buy the same properties or something. Like, they could have absolutely brought the Germans back. So, Burns comes in, kicks all the children out of his office because it's not a peewee flop house, uh, and demands that uh, Smithers restore his office, cancel all repairs, and rehire the chap that sassed him in the bar. Because he wants him close for revenge. It then ends with Homer getting a phone call uh, as this doll is pierced with a squeak toy with a knife as Burns is like making his like villainous declaration. And the squeak toy makes the noise and Homer's like, woohoo, I got my job back. And that's how it ends. Very sitcom ending, but I love it. It's a, I feel like it's a sitcom ending, but is, how do I put this? It's a little sitcom-y, but done in such a way that it is very funny and with the comedic timing. And, you know, I mean, it's sitcom because it's all back to the status quo, of course. Yeah. But really, all in all, I feel like that's way better than most other sitcom endings would ever be. Oh, yeah. You know? So, Sean, uh, what do you feel is the lasting impact of this episode? This episode really gave us burns outside of the power plant and showed us more about his life. Yeah, that's what I exactly what I have put down. That this, I think, 
and and you can correct me on this one. Is this the first Mr. Burns episode? Like he's been a villain before, but is this the first one where he's kind of one of the main characters? I mean, he's kind of the main character when he runs for governor, but he's a villain That's in that. True. I'll I'll, I'll give that be him being a uh, it being more about him than anyone else. Uh, but yeah, this is a little bit more of a a look into his sensitive side, so to yeah, speak. You don't hate Burns in this episode like you do in when he runs for governor. Oh yeah, he he is a full on villain in that episode. He he's a scumbag. He wants to, to just do all this you know terrible stuff to the environment and like make a ton of money. He's just being real real crooked. But yeah, in this one, he like kind of you know he tears up when he thinks about how the you know his life is coming to an end and he didn't finish everything he wanted to do. That he's just so busy he can't like do what he wants and relax. And you know I mean yeah he's a a billionaire who. Who's evil and corrupt and crooked, but like to a degree, you almost empathize with him, you know? Yeah. Those are very human desires. I so yeah, I, I think I, I think I agree. I think that it is very much a a a a more a lighter look at Burns, so to speak. Which we don't see a ton throughout the Simpsons. He's typically a villain. We'll get a couple more. Like we'll see in Homer the Smithers what it's like in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bobo episode will be another really good one. Yeah, that's true. That's a, another pretty empathetic look into Mr. Burns. Uh, I mean, he's evil. Like, he, he is evil throughout the series, but you do sort of feel for him to a degree in some of these episodes. Uh, but, I, uh, Sean, what would you say is your favorite quote of the episode? Oh, it's got to be without a doubt. What initiatives have you spearheaded? Uh, all of them? I see. Then you must have some good ideas for the future as well. I sure do. Such as? Uh, well, I wish the candy machine wasn't so picky about taking beat-up dollar bills, because a lot of workers really like candy. We understand, Toma. After all, we're from the land of chocolate. La 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 So, I think my favorite quote is... Smithers, I keep my friends close and my enemies even closer. He'll slowly regain his confidence as the months and years drift by, blissfully unaware that the sword of Damocles is dangling just above his head. Then, one day, when he least expects it... Oh, I'm sorry, we were talking about chocolate? That was ten minutes ago. 